What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Masters of Community podcast. My name is David Spinks, founder of CMX and VP of Community at Bevy. Each week, I bring you an expert who will help you take your community to the next level. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, I just want to give you a quick heads up that my new book, The Business of Belonging, How to Make Community Your Competitive Advantage, is now available anywhere where you can buy books on Amazon and any bookstore. It is the complete collection of everything I've learned from the last 13 years and how to build community for your business and all of the frameworks and models that the CMX team has developed to teach businesses how to do this work. It's all in here. I really appreciate all your support. You can go and order it now. Today's interview is with Scott Wilder, who's the head of customer engagement and community at HubSpot. He's also built community and worked on marketing at Marketo, Adobe, Intuit, Google, Udacity, Coursera, Apple, AOL. The list goes on. Scott's been in the industry for a very long time, so it was an amazing opportunity to dig into his wealth of knowledge where he shared his entire career path. We talk about the interesting approach that he and his team took at into it to integrate community into other parts of the business and work with other teams. We talk about the relationship between marketing and community, how to manage your community team, the community career path and how the ceiling is as high as it's ever been. There's so much good stuff in this one. A lot of practical tips for anyone building community from one of the industry's veterans. You're going to love it. Let's dive in. Scott, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. Glad to be here. So very excited to dive into your extensive experience in community and marketing. When we kick off, if you could just share a little bit about yourself and your background and how you came to running community and marketing at HubSpot today. Sure. I think throughout my career, I tell people that most of my career is based on Highway 101 in Silicon Valley. And throughout most of my career, community has kind of just pulled me back in. I think that uh, when I came out here, Originally, I was working at Apple on a lot of their marketing programs, and Apple started something called eWorld, which was a joint venture between AOL and Apple. And uh, so on eWorld, I worked on a lot of marketing for them. eWorld was that, think about eWorld, it was was an AOL interface that was redesigned. There was an AOL technology that was redesigned by Apple. Everything that AOL had, eWorld had, and we were responsible for really using eWorld and making it the community of service for Apple users. And after Apple, I worked on a, a project with AOL, gets a little confusing here, called Two Market. And that was around, that was one of the first e-commerce initiatives. But since I was at AOL, community always has a play in, in everything. And so I started working on a lot of their community initiatives, both in terms of the AOL service, but as well as some of the internet properties they bought as well. And I can talk more about that. And then I went to Borders. And the reason I wanted to kind of back, you know, tell, share the story a little bit here about Borders is because uh, Borders had 200 stores and this was back in the mid nineties. And basically we decided to leverage those stores and their in-store events and put them on the internet. And so, you know, similar to kind of what Bevy offers today, we had to kind of build a lot of it ourselves, but each store had, you know, whether it was somebody reading a book or whether somebody was, you know, sharing music or video. And so we put that on uh, the internet as well. Over time, I ended up at Intuit. And at Intuit, uh, I was hired to launch their e-commerce site and their digital marketing. But now you're going to see a theme here is we came up with the idea of, hey, what if we start this community? And the, the business problem we were trying to solve there was when I ran the e-commerce site, every 
product manager, every product marketing person wanted me to create content for them on the on the e-commerce site. And I said, unless you're going to pay, you can't play because I, I didn't have the budget to create all that content for all their products. And then I kind of remembered about my AOL experience. And so we did a Skunk Works project with community and that really blossomed to two or three million people. Well, and then worked at Google and uh, then Marketo. And Marketo is interesting because they basically wanted to create a platform for their marketing nation. And it wasn't marketing nation at that time, it was just people that attended conferences. And so we ended up creating, I guess, from a marketer's perspective, you could call it kind of the customer marketing retention platform. But really what was on it was community again, learning, academy, partner program. And that was the partner program and support. And that was really kind of like, uh, there's an aha here for all the different things that a customer does in terms of how they interface with a company, how they build their own business. So we created this central portal. And then we can talk about this later, but I realized that, and it's less so today, but at that time, there was kind of a glass ceiling for community community managers or community people. And even though I was doing all this other stuff, I was still branded as a community person. And When was this? This was uh, 2017. So it wasn't 2016. Okay. So... I, you know, I loved what I was doing. It was great that we had a lot of success building the Marketing Nation platform. We had user groups on there as well. But when I was looking for jobs, I wanted to do more than be a community manager. And so I decided that to leverage my knowledge of Marketo, since I was at Marketo, my knowledge of Salesforce and lean into growth marketing for a few years. Mm-hmm. And I really believed at the time that growth marketing would have a bigger play in terms of community. And we can talk a little bit about how I think about community as a product. And then when I was at Udacity, I kind of came back to community as, I mean, I was running their growth marketing programs, but the problem we were trying to solve there is they had, you know, millions of millions of students, but we also built out this human ecosystem of mentors, instructors, reviewers. And so how do you bring the students together as well as them? And then we get to HubSpot and HubSpot interested in me because John Dick, who runs, he's the SVP of marketing. He used this phrase that said, you know, we don't want to be customer first and not function out. And I, that re- that phrase really resonated with me because the position we talked about was how can I join the team in a customer engagement role? Community is a big part of that, but create this seamless and integrated experience for our customers, as well as leveraging the growth side. How do you bring in the money ball aspect of this and really think about how analytics plays into building a community, building user groups, building an events platform, et cetera. And so that's how I got to where I am today. That's an incredible journey. It's like the who's who of, of tech companies and both B2B and B2C. It's, it's really incredible to see how many different, the, the kind of like variety of experiences that you have. There are some people that, even had on the podcast who have stayed at one company for 10 plus, sometimes 15 plus years. And you've really had the opportunity to kind of bounce around for a couple of years at different companies. I think you're at, at Intuit for seven years, which is one of your longer experiences. Was that intentional that you want, that you feel like you want to kind of experience different companies and move around a lot? Or is that just kind of how it played out? It's a really good question. And there is a method to the madness and there's pros and cons. And so the way I think about it is uh, when I was um, in my 20s, 
I've tried to learn as much as possible. Actually, I should back this up. When I was in my 20s, I realized that I wasn't you know, really exposed to different parts of the world. So I decided that in my 20s, I wanted to live overseas as much as possible. Mm-hmm. In my 30s, I decided to probably go to too many schools and really get as much experience in different ways that people learn. So, you know, I have an MBA, I have also a degree in psychology. And so, and then in my 40s, just because it started happening anyway, was how can I learn about different companies and their culture? And so there was, there's definitely been like, it's been a plan. You know, some of the things I've learned, learned early in life is if you write it down, it's going to happen. And so a lot of the stuff I wrote down and said, you know, these are my goals moving forward. Now that, now that I have kids and we talked about, you know, your child in the beginning, you know, before we went live, you know, I try and think about what I can give to them, you know, in whether it's two block, two year increments or five year increments, et cetera. Mm. And so having that kind of intentional switch into marketing and, and kind of bouncing back and forth between community and marketing roles, how do you see yourself today? Because even your title at Udemy today encompasses both, I mean, I'm sorry, at HubSpot today <laughs> encompasses both like customer engagement, marketing, advocacy, community. So are you just kind of a human of all trades at this point? No, I think, so when I think about customer engagement, it really is like identifying these different touch points from a customer perspective and make them seamless and integrated. Community is a huge part of that. And so I think, you know, one thing, you know, we talked about once is that this is a moment for community, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. loves community right now, but it wasn't always that way, right? Like, you know, you might get into, does community have a seat at the C-level table later on, but it wasn't always that way. And so, you know, I was really thinking from a kind of customer perspective, what can I focus on? And it was really, it's always been about marketing, but it's always been about how to like make things seamless and to really identify points of friction and smooth out that process. Hmm. So do you see it all as one department, as one role? As you know, because I've heard people talk about, well, marketing and community and customer even, it's all just like engaging people at different stages in a journey. I'm curious how you see the intersection of customer community and marketing today, given your experience across all of them. Yeah. So I do see them integrated. You know, when I was at Intuit early on, and probably because of just the type of company it is, we were able to kind of design what the role of community would be. And one of the things we decided it would be a, like a, a center of excellence. And what does that mean? I mean, on the one hand, you could be like finance and, you know, you're dealing with all groups in the company. But what we did was we moved community around to different parts of the organization every six months which was great. I wish it was my idea. It wasn't. But that sounds chaotic. Not really. because No? No, because from a, the C-level perspective, we all agreed on kind of what the metrics were, but it was a great way of getting community into the DNA of all these different groups. Right. Right. And so, you know, community became more than just marketing. It became part of product, even engineering. So there's something called live community that's in TurboTax. So when you do your taxes, and I'm sure you, you just did your taxes, David, I know you, you just did them, right? I did. Well, I paid an accountant to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Smart man. When you do your taxes and you're going through the, the web-based product, there's a community widget follows you along the way, right? And it, it basically provides user-created context of where you are in that experience. 
So that involves marketing and involves product. So, you know, I think when I, when I think about community, it touches so many different groups. It is really important to work closely with those that are facing customer facing all the time, like customer success and sales and, right. and marketing and support as opposed to like, you know, finance and legal. And so I think it's, yeah, I think they're closely related. And, you know, mm. we can talk a little bit now about how, you know, we've kind of operationalized that at HubSpot, but it, into it, the way we did it was basically by moving community from group to group. What do you mean by that, by moving it group to group? Does that mean you're spending six months working directly with that team and working in meetings and collaborating on projects, and then you switch to a different team? Yeah, so what we did was, we didn't want marketing per se to become like the center of gravity for community for X number of years. Which is often what happens. Yeah, or support. So at the sea level, we all agreed what our goals were for, you know, one, two, you know, big company, three-year plans. So we agreed what the goals were. We agreed with the, you know, what we were solving for. So this, this is intuit language. They like to say, what are you solving for and what's your true north? And then what are your mm-hmm. metrics? And they actually had a calculus uh, sort of, or maybe it's algebra way of looking at it, they would say, what, what's your big Y? And then the input to Y were your X's and that was your your projects or your plays. Right. So anyway, so we agreed on that. And then six months, I'd be in the product team. Six months, I'd be in the support team. Six months, I'd be in the marketing team. And what that did is it really put community top of mind for all those groups. And Scott Cook, the founder of the company, who is probably more customer first than anybody I've met, and, uh, you know, he really liked that because again, we had this communication with our customers ongoing for each group. Hmm. I want to wrap my head around this because yeah. I think it's a really interesting concept. Aren't there, you know, you start off projects with the marketing team, let's say, or with the product team over that six months, the projects don't just end after this six months. Um, do, are you like leaving behind team members that are continuing to work very closely with product or yeah. how do you kind of have ongoing longevity in collaboration with those teams? Yeah. So that, that leads kind of the second part of this, which was when you work with those teams, I'm mean, so like the, the community managers, I think I had a project manager, a product person, we move, but inside those groups, we identify somebody who can represent that group's needs moving forward. And then we move into which I've recently been modeling after like, and it's going to get a little confusing after news, like a newspaper model where the community team's kind of like the editors in chief where they own the, the guidelines, the guardrails, you know, the experience on the community site, the analytics, but the person within that group, they're really responsible for their programs on the community. So let's, mm-hmm. let's play it out a little bit. So, you know, if we have a section on the community dedicated to, marketing automation. The person in the marketing team would really own the moderation and or content related to that topic, but the community team really owns kind of the overall functionality, user experience, et cetera. And I think the the kind of newspaper model where there's like an editor-in-chief or a core team working with the respective editors, like the arts and leisure editor, or in this case, the marketing automation editor, works well. Mm. And so from like a organizational structure standpoint, where did community live or where did it report up into at the highest level? It moved around and into it, it moved, moved around. around. Now at HubSpot, it reports on to mar- up to marketing. Okay. When I got to HubSpot, like a lot of communities, it started, it was in support, 
but with me joining the company, it then moved into marketing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for all the obvious reasons, uh, you know, that I'm sure your guests have talked about in the past is, you know, we wanted to lean into, you know, how do you build out a- advocates? How do you, you know, create word of mouth? But I think that it was also trying to move away from product related topics. And I kind of have my triad here of what I'm trying to get the community to focus on. And that is to help our customers master our product, master their craft and master their careers. And if you're based in support, you're just going to focus on the first one, like help them get the most out of the product. Right. But in marketing now, we're really in, you know, if you look at HubSpot's content, you know, that team is amazing in terms of teaching people about marketing. But now we, hopefully, if we do our jobs right, the, the wisdom of the crowd, you know, the, the, the customers on the community can teach each other about how to be better marketers, how to be better content people. And then at the end of the day, you know, how can we help everybody level up their careers? Hmm. It's interesting that it falls under marketing because I could see an argument for that falling because you, you all have a, a chief customer officer as well with Yamini. Yeah. And so why do you think it fits better under marketing than customer? I think that marketing, I mean, it's, it's a great question. First of all, she's got a lot on her plate right now. Sure. <laughs> she's, you know, so, but I think, you know, in terms of who owns the customer journey across the whole spectrum, mm-hmm. it's definitely her. I think it's evolutionary. It's just where it is right now and it's evolution. And it could totally, it's fluid. When I got there, you know, for better or worse, it was, you know, in, in support, it, there were still some questions about, you know, what's the long term strategy of community, but the company has totally embraced it. And, you know, there's some really interesting things in terms of where it could go next. But right now, just based on its evolution, that's where it is. And, you know, you probably have read about the hustle, for example, like, you know, we also yeah. are leaning into being a media company and, you know, how can you, and that's been, and the hustle, that team is in marketing. So how could you potentially leverage, you know, um, all these customers and partners, UCG, or maybe it's PCG, uh, partner created content, uh, partner, partner created content. I didn't get that acronym right. How do you leverage that to uh, kind of add to the, how do you leverage all that to reinforce this media company positioning? Right. Yeah. Y- y'all are keeping the hustle as its own independent brand though, right? That's not integrated into HubSpot. Correct. Correct. But we just launched a podcast network. I don't know if you saw Oh, cool. Right. So that is really interesting, right? So you could have people who are doing podcasts or, you know, like David Spinks, who's well known and he could get his podcast on the um, HubSpot network, but then right. there's no reason why down the road our champions or all stars or partners couldn't have basically their own station on the network. Right, that makes sense. No, the, the hustle's been a really interesting story to watch. I actually Sam started that the hustle out of the same coworking, very small coworking space that I started CMX out of. It was like eight of us in that room. So oh, nice. Yeah, the hustle and CMX have been on a similar trajectory over time. So it's cool to see it come full circle. Just to answer your, your questions or try and tie it all together. So at Intuit, we got to experiment by moving community around. And, right. you know, there, there's definitely some challenges that you alluded to. And the, the model that I've leaned into and, and Marketo in here is this more kind of publisher editorial approach where you have people within different parts of the company who 
are responsible for the success of a certain area on the community. Mm -hmm. But Marketo, even though we were in marketing, there was a support person who was at our editorial meetings who was responsible for the section of the community site where people opened up tickets or knowledge-based content. Mm -hmm. At HubSpot, we recently introduced something called the, it's a, it's a RevOps hub. It's called Ops Hub, Operations Hub. And so that person's responsible for the success of that part of the community site. But, you know, we all work really closely together and it's a classic cross-functional exercise, you know, and I think as community managers or community players, that's a skill set that's really important is how you, how you work across, across the organization. Absolutely. I'm curious because you also mentioned like the the ceiling that existed even just a few years ago for community that I think is is moving up pretty quickly in the last year, um, and we're starting to see you know even chief community officer roles form that are actually legit, um, not just like a founder slapping that title onto their existing title. Do you do you think that community should have its own department that's distinct from customer that's distinct from marketing and integrate as that center of excellence or or do you think it doesn't justify its own department and its own like c level position yeah i mean if i i mean it's tremendous what's happening now and for community you know i think it's, it's it's really great to watch it all i would love there to be a chief community officer at companies but if i think about it from a business perspective i kind of go back to your question earlier about our chief customer officer Mm-hmm. Right. Like I could see, you know, community being part of the chief customers officers that could fall into the chief customer officers space. Or does customer fall under community? Ah, interesting. Ah. But I, <laughs> it could. I mean, community is more than just customers, right? It's partners, etc. Exactly. It's partners, employees, investors, audience. Yeah. I mean, I think I don't. So I think from a business sense, I think companies are not quite ready for that. It also depends on the center of gravity. Like if you have, I know I used that term before, so I think I'm thinking about my center of gravity today. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's a national uh, mental health month. But uh, oh. so, you know, if, if I have a community company like Common Room or Comsore, then, you know, that's everything I do is around like community and product and communication and content. But it's, it's just a harder sell, I think, for, com- you know, companies where you know, community is one of a kind of a broad experience and there's how many seats do you want at that table too? So, I mean, I would love community right. to be there. I'm just, it'd be tough for me if I was a CEO to justify it. I would want somebody to be at that table who represents the customer. You know, I think about product managers, you know, like we all have ideation sections of our community site and they're huge for product managers, but they're getting customer information from so many different points, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, from the call center, from their research studies. And so I would hope that, you know, it's, it's the same with the, the chief the chief customer officer. Like they're getting information from all these different points. So, right. Yeah, it's, it's tr- spoken like a true community builder. It's like, well, I don't want to take anyone else's seat. Like if, <laughs> if this is your seat, you know, I don't want to step in. <laughs> yeah, I like power. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I think it makes sense. It depends on the kind of company. I do think that it's distinct and unique from customer and marketing and, you know, the other C-level roles. And maybe every company doesn't need one, but I think a lot of companies that are trying to invest in community in something that is 
you know, integrated across the org and you don't want it to be pigeonholed under just marketing or just support or just product, it is important that it, it has that seat at the table, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, you know, into it, we tried to solve it a different way by moving community around and getting into the DNA of different groups. But yeah, I think, you know, like yeah. you said, I think it really depends on what type of company you are. I really like that idea of moving it around a bit and just getting the opportunity to sit, be in the room with different teams and hear their problems and, and work together to figure things out. Like I'm already thinking about how we can apply that at Bevy. Yeah. I mean, another thing that was, we did there was that, uh, you know, we all talk about being customer first and voice of the customer. Something I did there that I did at Marketo and uh, in the process of doing it at HubSpot is I invited our community members to our staff meetings. I invited our community members to be more integrated with the people who have to keep the lights on in the community. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that I'm probably not going to win a lot of fans on this following statement here, but I think sometimes as marketers, we forget to talk to customers. (laughs) As we all forget to talk to customers, not just marketers. This was a way of just reminding folks that there was, I think at the time I read a story about how, it might have been Scott Cook who, in a, so Scott Cook was the founder, founder of Intuit. He would have meetings and he'd leave an empty chair to represent mm-hmm. the customer. Ah. And I was like, well, why does that chair have to be empty? <laughs> why don't you put an actual customer there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we, you know, like we would that. bring customers in and it was mind blowing. Yeah. It was just, and, you know, I'm, I'm now working closely this, with the partner team here. And so that's, that's another thing, you know, I want to do is have the partners come into the meeting and, you know, we shouldn't fear what they're going to say or what they're going to hear. Just, I mean, don't, if you're a public company, don't share anything that's going to, you know, impact the stock, but just, it's extremely valuable to have them to not just listen to the voice of the customer, but invite them in the room. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm curious to get your take on another related topic of your analogy of the, the editor versus the, the business side of a newspaper is a really good one because I think businesses are navigating somewhat of a challenge sometimes in building community that they want to be really objective and you know neutral and serve the members and, and the people in this industry first. And then you have you know the business side of things and marketing and sales is just like, we need to grow our pipeline and sales and prove that our product is the best. And I think HubSpot's a really interesting example where HubSpot chose to build the inbound brand for the community, which was a forum for a long time, also the the major conference. And it's an entire brand all dedicated to inbound marketers. Whether or not they use HubSpot, it's focused on the industry and the practitioner, similar to how like CMX is for community professionals. But like, do you find that there's a conflict to kind of manage in the same way at a newspaper, the editorial team is like, we need to manage our editorial standards. And then there's a business and advertising team that's like, well, we need to make money. And there's a reason those two teams are separate to kind of have that give and take and that balance. Have you found that sort of tension and that balance in marketing and community and within the companies you've worked at? Great question. So, okay, I'm going to come clean here. Confession. (laughs) So one of the reasons, you know, I left into it was because the question came up can we start advertising on the community website? And I was, you know, obviously there was more in this, but I definitely believed and the team believed and, you know, the type of people that are in community are 
you know, incredibly passionate about customers and the customer experience. Like, you know, it's just, I've never, it just, every day they're like saying, well, this customer said this, or this customer feels this. But I was, you know, we as a team, I shouldn't say it was me, we as a team did not want to have advertising on the site. And advertising could be, hey, check out this product, you should sign up now, you know? And so I think that tension does exist at times. And I think as a, as a site editor, which, you know, I'm playing at HubSpot, I think I need to set those, those guidelines and guardrails um, and say, you can talk about the product, but don't say buy the product now. And in fact, I have another use case is, um, you know, like a good, like the good community playbook, right? Because a lot of this is, uh, some of this is rinse, lather, repeat after you do this for so many years. Um, you know, we mm-hmm. launched a, a community blog and the blog, the writers of the blog are employees or customers. And we, you know, we basically have people submit their topics first, employees versus letting it loose in the wild, which is one of the first times I've done this. I usually let it in the wild, but that's a great example of when we review the topic and we have seen this where, you know, everybody's trying to do the right thing and, you know, meet their bottom line where we've said like, this is, this feels a little too much promotional mm-hmm. and doesn't, you know, we need to get aligned with the spirit of the of the community and what we're trying to do. And that person, you know, all that person understood right away. It's sometimes it's just, you know, it's just that everybody's trying to do their job and be successful. But so setting up those, the editorial guidelines and guardrails are important. You will find it to be an issue, but you need to kind of, you need to have your story straight of why you're doing that. Mm. So you'll actually put together a document that lays out the editorial standards and voice and things like that for the community and, and kind of work, try to define where that line is. Yeah. And we have that, you know, for the community, like everybody, community guidelines. And, you know, we say we don't, don't promote anything. And, but if somebody posts in the community, it doesn't go th- through a moderated queue, so to speak, everything goes live. But for this blog, because we're in for V1, it goes into kind of a moderated review process. Right. And I, you know, in the past I've let things just, just go, but I think, you know, it's just, just trying to do the right thing by the customer. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you found it hard or easy to get other members of the team that aren't on the community team to participate and engage in the community? No, I haven't. Uh, I think I think I you know I've had the opposite problem. Well, so at Intuit it was so it's been easy. Intuit was a little bit different because it was kind of in the early stages. You know, the internet and you know a C level person. He, I remember he posted, but he used his AO. It's when we're talking about AOL. His um, name on the community was his AOL handle. So all of a sudden he got all these AOL messages <laughs> from right. our customers. And he's like, well, Scott, what did I do? And I said, well, you don't really use your email address. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at Marketo, the problem was that everybody wanted to, and I worked at Google as a, on community too, for their um, AdWords community platform and their G plus platform. And so both those places we needed to set, like everybody wanted to jump in and, and help out. And so there the problem was like, how do you handle, a, if you don't agree with a coworker's post, how do you handle that? And so really kind of advising, you know, helping people understand that. And again, the intentions I think are, everybody tried, everybody tried to do the right thing, but you know, you might have a different way of a workaround than I have. And I might say, well, you know, David hasn't been in that group for a while, you know? And so I haven't had that problem where trying to get people employees. So you've had people engage is more about how to help them engage in the right way. Exactly. And again, it's kind of guardrails and, and, and guidelines. Got it. Cool. I'm curious. So I, I read about your uh, coming into HubSpot and pretty quickly having a big impact on the community platform. 
and running this like overhaul of the community that ended up driving 120% growth in monthly registrants and 40% increase in engagement. Can you talk me through quickly, you know, what what that process looked like and how you were able to achieve those results so quickly? Yeah, so we're definitely, you know, being transparent going through this transformation of community and trying to, you know, achieve some of the goals I mentioned earlier. And so the transformation is, you know, not being support focused, is only being more kind of how to help people with their craft and, you know, their careers. It's um, right. making sure this community is not siloed in the company. So th- this is the HubSpot customer community. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of, I'm embarrassed to say, you know, it, it's kind of hard to find. Okay. And so how do you get it more integrated? And then moving from just discussion threads to other types of content. And then the last thing was bringing the customers more into the kind of strategic direction of the company. And so those were four kind of transformational things. And so again, the way my mind works is in threes. So the, for, I've been there for three quarters. And so um, the first quarter I really focused on, you know, what do these customers want? I mean, it's one thing for me to say, hey, you know, I want to create a place where they can excel in the terms of their careers, but I wanted to understand them. Alignment was really important and, and doing a lot of analysis. And then the last one, which probably has the most impact on the numbers, is figuring out where those, I call them outages. But, you know, most people would say, what's the customer journey and, you know, where's the friction? So an outage was... Where are people falling off? Exactly, exactly. And so addressing those issues as quickly as possible. So, you know, single sign-on, we all know about single sign-on challenges. And so sure. we, you know, a member of the team identified that and tremendous impact in addressing that. You know, another one is the onboarding experience and so, et cetera, et cetera. And then in Q2, we said, okay, so what's the low, right? So this is my month four. Let's, you know, we had started before Q2, but what's the low hanging fruit? So we redid all of gamification. We redid the navigation on the site. You know, these are things that just for whatever reason needed to be, you know, addressed and upgraded. And, you know, and then now we're kind of in my third quarter in my journey. And so that's when we're working on, you know, how does it roll up to the brand better? What's the, um, how do we get integrated into um, other parts, other parts of the company and the platform? So our integration with Bevy, um, you might've heard of them, is really important, right? Right. We talk about this seamless experience. And so, you know, you're, your brothers and sisters in arms, I'm driving crazy a little bit because we really want to get, you know, this seamless experience between our community experience and our events experience. Right. So those are just kind of, and then there's a whole, um, and we've also accelerated the numbers by working closer closely with our partners. I mean, HubSpot has this incredible ecosystem. And what I learned at Intuit and Google and Marketo is, you know, obviously your champions are impo- important. But there's this whole ecosystem of business partners. And so at Intuit, it was pro advisors, the accountants. You know, at uh, Google, it was the AdWords, small agencies that focus on AdWords. At Marketo, it was the, the partners. And so leaning into those groups about helping build out the site from a kind of feedback perspective, maybe even from a functionality perspective, can we outsource some of that work to them, et cetera? Mm-hmm. So those were just kind of the ways to thinking about it. But if I try and tie everything up, I think it's really saying, where are the outages? Where's the friction? How do we address that? And also being, I mean, people who know me, I love the book Moneyball. I'm a, I'm a Moneyball guy. And so really like managing the numbers on a daily basis. And I think that's a muscle that all of us in the community need to work on. 
I mean, we might be good at it already because you can always work on it. But um, so managing the numbers and looking for those incremental um, improvements. Right. What platform are you using? We're on Chorus. You're using Chorus for Chorus for the forums, Bevy for the events. Yeah. So Chorus for forums, blogs, etc. We have our own supports tools, and then we actually partnered with Crowdvocate on some stuff, and then Bevy. Cool. And so, yeah, if I could sum it up, it sounds like you spent the first part just like talking to customers and like learning as much as possible about them and their career goals and how you can help them grow. So it's kind of learning about the person. Step two was really diving into the data and the customer journey and looking for those outages or where people are dropping off. And then step three was kind of making sure all your integrations and systems and tools and navigations were set up properly in order to... yeah make sure the experience was good, that helps them achieve their career goals. Yeah. And not to throw another three into this, but I think of like a triangle in three parts. So the bottom part is like those small fixes you got to do, right? That's the outage. And the middle is like, you know, these are things that we think would be successful in the site. And then the top part is like, what are the few big bets that you're going to make? Right. Right. So that's another way that we've approached it. I like that. What what advice do you have for community professionals who don't feel naturally confident in diving into the data and really understanding the numbers to find all these opportunities to improve? How have you, or I guess, yeah, just what advice would you have for them for starting to get more skilled up in that area? Well, first of all, I think it's a great opportunity for somebody like yourself to make that your next course. So uh, secondly, I think, you know, what I would recommend is find somebody, whether it depends on the size of your company, but I'll say somebody with a data background, it could be a business uh, analyst, it could be um, a data scientist and partner with them and say, you know, if, I, if, I'm a big, if you're beginning your career or you don't feel comfortable, just say, can you mentor me in this, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to love that. First of all, you're reaching out to them. They're going to love that you're like working on this cool, hot new area community. At least I think they will. Yeah, now that community is hot, the data people are like, "Ooh, yeah, I want to work on this." Whereas, like five years ago, they're like, "I have other priorities." Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, that's what I've done. You know, you can always take a course and things like that. But I find that if you're dealing with you know somebody in the company who kind of has a vested interest as well and can coach you and all that, that's how I would approach it. And I have had people on the team that said, you know, the the community moderators is a great starting point. Uh, to be community managers, et cetera. And so I try and find their interests. And there was one gentleman who really wanted to learn analytics. And that's what I recommended to him is, mm-hmm. you know, I partnered him with a data data person. And that individual now is like a, a guru in analytics. That's so cool. Yeah, I, I agree. I think like part of the challenge that I've seen over my career in community, especially because I worked at a lot of small companies or, you know, started my own companies and bootstrap things is like, there's this feeling like if I'm going to understand data and be really good at this stuff, that means I have to learn how to analyze all this data and run these reports and and just develop this entire new skill set. When in reality, if you're in any sort of sizable company, hopefully you do have teammates who whose job it is to analyze data or to run operations and I mean, I'm I'm working very closely now. Give a shout out to like Lena on my team who 
runs marketing operations and just is a whiz at, at setting up all these dashboards and systems and tools for tracking data. And it's not my job to understand how to set up those systems necessarily, but it gives me the opportunity to say like, it would be really interesting if we could pull these insights because I think it'll help us make these decisions. And we work together as a team. And, and I, I just reiterate your advice of just find the people on your team who do have that access, have those abilities, have those skills, whose job it is, and work really closely with them. And don't be afraid to ask them to work with you to understand the community data better and to make better decisions from it. Because, you know, if you try to do it alone, you're probably going to get overwhelmed and, and feel stuck, which is what I felt for a long time before joining Bevy. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, I really, it's great to hear what, you know, your story and how you're, you know, working with your team, because you know, I can imagine running a company and now, you know, part of Bevy, I'm a baseball guy again. Um, you can't catch every fly ball. You can't do exactly everything. And, you know, I'm going to really mix my metaphors here. You know, the catcher is like <laughs> a unique skill set, you know, and right. the shortstop has a unique skill set. So Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we went from bootstrapping a four-person team to now we have over 100 employees and a full marketing team and staff and designers. So I'm loving it. I'm loving having resources and people <laughs> with these like more specialized skill sets, you know, community I think for many reasons, because of the way businesses invested in it or didn't invest in it properly, did live in a silo for many years. But I think now that it is becoming really popular and companies are investing in it more, you will have more resources, you will have more access, and you will be able to get the time of your data team and development team and, and other resources in your company. Because I think everyone's starting to realize that this community stuff's really important. Yeah. I mean, I just want to say it's, you know, I've been watching watching you from the bleachers um I, i'm surprised we haven't talked more in the past but um it's pretty impressive you know what you've built you know over these years and you know i've known derek since the uh, atlassian days at where i consulted and, oh wow yeah i think i was derek's first client <laughs> that's awesome yeah atlassian i think was their first customer yeah so but um and you're working with you know i was going to say that you know he he's great to work with and i noticed today on facebook he has his anniversary today so shout out to him that's right. Yeah. So it's great what you've created and just, yeah, it's, you know, it's hard to, to scale a company and then know when to kind of hand the reins to somebody else for something like analytics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey man, it's, it's been a journey, but we're all working on it together to make this whole community thing stick. All right, cool. Well, I have a hundred more questions for you and I want to keep diving into the weeds, but we are almost out of time. So We'll have to rebook you or bring you back for a CMX Summit and, and continue these conversations because you are just such a wealth of knowledge and I just want to keep digging. But that said, it is now time for our rapid fire question round, everyone's favorite part of the show. Where's the bell? Ding. Oh, I need a bell. I have here. I have a singing bowl. Let's do that one. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Are you ready for the rapid fire question round? Seatbelts fastened. All right, let's do this. Question number one. As a fellow New Yorker who moved to San Francisco, New York or SF? New York on the inside, because I'm driven, tenacious, and sometimes obnoxious. And San Francisco on the outside, because I'm laid back and outdoorsy and spiritual. I love it. You just described me. <laughs> that's, that's exactly why we moved. <laughs> All right. I agree 100%. Very good. Okay, number two. What's your favorite book to give as a gift to others or to recommend to others? Organizing Genius by Warren Bennis, which talks about great teams. So my hobby and interest is how do you build great teams? And 
He talks about the original Macintosh team. He talks about the Manhattan Project team. And my team at HubSpot, every presentation at the group level, they like the broader group level ends with a, a team that I highlight. It could be like the Saturday Night Live team. It could be, you know, the Macintosh team. Mm, love it. All right. Next question. What's a go-to community engagement tactic or conversation starter that you like to use in your communities? Tell me your story and how you got there and what the challenges you faced. Mm, I like that. Always, I find that always giving people an opportunity to share their story. If you can do it in an authentic way, it, it drives a ton of engagement. Yeah, there's a great book. Uh, it was just given to me called Stories, Getting Stories to Work by Sean Callahan. So if you really want to lean into the whole story stuff, that's what I would recommend. Love that. Maybe a good guest for the podcast. Okay, next question. Very important one. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? I don't wear sandals. I barely wear socks. Okay. So <laughs> I wear Crocs. You're a Crocs guy. I'm a Crocs guy. No socks. Crocs. Do you wear socks with Crocs? I have worn socks with Crocs and people have laughed at me. <laughs> okay. I think that counts towards socks with sandals. I'm going to count that. <laughs> <laughs> What's a tip that you have for somebody who is managing community teams? Bring in customers and have them sit at the table so everybody can hear directly from the customer. Don't just rely on text-based answers, or I guess today we have social audio. Get the customer in the room. Hmm. Do you have a good format that you like to do that? Yeah. So what I would do is so I try and reach out, identify customers, and I'll ask them directly, or I'll have a sign-up sheet. But the key here is don't just invite the champions or the all-stars. Can I give you another baseball analogy here? Sure. So I think of communities, and this is how American Express influenced me. The American Express basically will take their card base and break them up, all the customers, into deciles and score them. So when I think of community, I look at like all our community members in terms of like deciles, 10 groups. And so I try and invite not just the all-stars, but the the minor leaguers, the, you know, the people in double A, triple A, et cetera, to the room mm -hmm. or the rising stars, because it's really important that you don't hang your hat on just the, you know, the answer people all the time. I'm really throwing out a lot of metaphors here. The answer <laughs> people all the time, but it's important to, yeah. so, but to answer your question, either we'll have a sign-up sheet and then I can, you know, in the, in the background, figure out where they are or I'll reach out to individuals. And what does that actually look like? You you bring them in for a call that your team's all sitting on, on and you ask them questions? Bring them in, ask some questions uh, so everybody can hear. They know, they know. Yeah, so I ask some questions and then I also, but I collect the questions from the team beforehand because I don't want right. to put these people on the spot. And I, I will say too, is then you, it's interesting because then you can form like another cohort of alumni of these groups. Yeah. We even talk about cohorts, but um so basically, you know, Marketo, I had like, these are the people that went to our staff meeting. We had like, you know, 20 of them in a group. We were on Jive, on Jive. And so then they started sharing ideas, right? So how do you play it forward sort of stuff? Yeah, that's really cool. And would you do it with like, it's like a little community focus group. Would you just do it with like one community member at a time or do you, would you bring in multiple? I'd mix it up. Sometimes it was one. It's usually via conference, you know, via phone. We weren't all uh -huh. zoomed out then. Right. Yeah. But uh, it would be one, it'd be a few. Sometimes like we have a, in the partner program at HubSpot, there's a group, they're called the Lions and it's a really tight knit cohort. So I would invite them all, you know, onto a call or a meeting with us. Right. 
How often would you do these calls? Recently, with these guys, I've been doing it weekly. I would say, oh wow, you know, once a month is probably once a month is good. Awesome, I love that. Very practical tip. Okay, next question: Who in the world of community would you most like to take to lunch? Howard Rheingold. Ooh, good one. Yeah, so he wrote the um, OG. OG, yes. <laughs> Why would you like to take him to lunch? Well, you know, I, I also look at communities like Generations, and he's part of the, I'll call it the the first generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and you know, folks now maybe are like the third generation. I was talking about this with another person. I might take to lunch, Bill Johnson, the other day. Mm-hmm. Right, and so I think that first generation of people that worked on the well and the whole sure. Earth catalog, like there's a lot of wisdom there, and a lot of what we're doing now or what I'm doing now, I learned from them. Yeah, love that. Another book, sorry, Virtual Community by Howard Rheingold. I haven't read it actually. Oh, so that was one of the first community books. Very good. I'll have to check it out. Okay, next question. What's a community product you wish existed? This exists, but not enough people are embracing it. So I talked about TurboTax and how there's a community widget embedded into the experience um, when you do your taxes. And, you know, at Coros, for example, they have a syndicated widget, but a a syndicated widget that you can embed in other sites. But this, what I'm thinking is you have a widget, community widget that you can embed into any, any site that is text, audio, and video that can be contextual, that you can, here, I'm designing a product for folks here, that uh, you can, uh, you know, indicate what type of person's answering questions and et cetera, et cetera. So it's this embeddable widget that has some of the features I just talked about. Hmm. Got it. Like it. Okay. Uh, What's the weirdest community you've ever been a part of? We talked a lot today about Intuit. So when I was at Intuit, I discovered the the Reddit group of counting and- um, Basically, you simply reply to like the last comment with the next number in a sequence. And, and it sounds like, you know, well, why would people do that? You know, every community has their own sense of belonging and like-minded behavior. So I don't really know, but I do know that this community is strong and people participate. And <laughs> Can they do anything else in there or you just can post a number? Yeah, there's some people who've gone off the, you know, the reservation and changed numbers and or put comments. Oh, wow. but. But people are pretty good at following the rules of the road. You know, of course, you have to be able to count. But, you know, every community is magical. And this, <laughs> but I don't understand every community. Counting. Okay. Check that out. That's a weird one. I like it. What post COVID activity are you most excited for? Well, I'm just starting to get on the baseball field. So playing, playing baseball. You're playing. I'm playing, yeah. I like it. I miss playing baseball. I haven't played since it's I was such a kid. great sport for a team. And also, as you get older, like I'm older than 20. As you get older, you mm-hmm. know, you can play baseball forever. Do you play baseball or softball? Baseball, man. Yeah, you keep it real? Yeah. Are you in one of those like old time leagues where you like <laughs> use the old fashioned gear and jerseys and everything? Yeah, yeah. old fashioned jerseys, you know, baseball mitts that, you know, don't have any like strings on them. They look yeah. more like. Are you in one of those? I think those are so cool. No, I'm not. I'm, not. I'm just, yeah. Oh. They have them in San Francisco. I need to find those. That's a great idea. Yeah. It's really cool. What's a question I didn't ask you that I should have? You know, I, I alluded to mentors earlier. And so I'm really big on teams and mentors and leaders. So I think, you know, asking me, you know, who are some leaders or a leader that comes to mind that's really impacted me? I would love to hear the answer to that question. So one person that comes to mind is Brad Smith. 
the uh, former CEO, now chairman of Intuit. You can see that Intuit's a big part of yeah. what I do. And I recommend that anybody... It's where you work the longest, right? Exactly. I recommend anybody in the community space. Well, I think people in the community space play this leadership role, right? With the community. And, and Brad has written on LinkedIn incredible things about being a leader. But the, the one thing he always would talk about besides stories would be that, well, actually, whenever he talked, he'd always talk in terms of stories. So that resonated with me. And he always said that, you know, Greeks are great thinkers and Romans are great doers. And he always would like kind of position his stories with, with that thought in mind. Like, you have to be a great thinker and a great doer to be successful in the community. Hmm. I like it. Awesome. Last question. Uh, if you were to find yourself on your deathbed today and you had to condense all of your life lessons into one Twitter-sized piece of advice for the rest of the world on how to live, what would that advice be? Well, I tend to repeat myself. So my email signature says, says what I would put on my Twitter piece of... My email signature says what my Twitter advice would be. The only way to predict the future is just to make it, hmm. is to just make it. In other words, just do it. Like the only way to predict the future is to just make it. Mm, I love that. Spoken like a true tech worker. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. It reminds you of that Steve Jobs quote of like, everything you see around you was made by people who are no different than you. And when you realize that, it changes everything. It's true. It's true. That's a great quote. Yeah. Where can people go to find you and continue to learn from you? If you want to find me, you can always go to my LinkedIn profile and I answer everything that's there. You can follow me on Twitter or you can just go to the HubSpot community. Well, Scott, we're at time. This was incredible. As I said, I, I, we're definitely going to have to follow up and, and chat more either on this podcast or in another format. But I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to share all your lessons and your wisdom from your long career in community and marketing. And like those of you in the, I guess you said you're the second generation. Is that what you consider yourself? Yeah, I'm the second generation. So you've definitely paved the path for many of us who have come afterward and, and made it a lot easier. And I think all, a lot of the success that we're seeing in community today is because of the hard work that you and, and, and a lot of your peers put into shaping this industry and building teams back when it wasn't really bought into and it was still very, very much an uphill battle. So Appreciate you coming back to the community industry <laughs> despite a, a few year hiatus with marketing, but and and for uh, continuing to just be a leader in this space. No, thank you, David, and just a shout out to you for your your new book. I've already read it twice, so um, twice. Well, first time doesn't get any marks wow. on it. Second time I edit it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you send me your edits. I'll, I'll pass it on to the publisher. <laughs> hey, uh, no, thanks for inviting me. It's a great way to end the week. Thank you. Of course. All right. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. The Masters of Community is brought to you by CMX, the world's largest network of community professionals, and Bevy, the enterprise platform powering communities for the world's leading brands. This episode was edited and produced by Finesse Media. Music was provided by Seiji Cataldo, and design was provided by Virginia DeMarco. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop us a review in iTunes. It's a huge help for helping us get this podcast in front of more people. We really, really appreciate it. And share it with your networks. The more people that learn about the power of community, the better. We have a new episode every week. So until then, thank you so much for listening and see you next time.